0: This is episode 65 of Outlander Cast. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Well, ladies and gents, this is usually when Mary says, I'm your host, Mary Larson. But today, you are stuck with me for the entire episode. And my name is Blake. And uh, I'm here. I'm here, ready, ready to go. Mary is actually uh, quite busy this evening. Uh, she has a concert for uh, her band that she plays with, which is called The American Band, which, a small side note, is actually the oldest running um, concert—not concert band, but like um, pet band, marching band. Uh, if she was here, she'd be able to tell me the right—the the right name. But it's like the oldest, uh, it's like the oldest marching band, uh, running in the country, the American band. And it's—it is in fact from, Rhode Island, Massachusetts. I actually think it was even started by John Philip Sousa. So for all you music nerds out there, uh, yeah, John Philip Sousa, I think started it. Um. I could be 100% wrong and I could be giving you the entirely wrong information which uh would would which would be terrible. Uh, but so we are recording this uh, super late because uh, again our week has just been I would say I would categorize it as insane. That's a good one. An insane week, yeah. Uh, Our kids have been crazy. Our schedule has been crazy, so we haven't been able to get uh, this episode recorded. So I'm recording this alone so that we, we can get this out there and make sure that you guys have your voice. So while I will be Commenting on some of these things. Mainly, this is just going to be me uh, talking, uh, or re- at least reading your comments, uh, and then uh, and then going from there. So, uh, but before we get into that, I do want to talk about a couple of things, and they both are Outlander cast blog related. Um, and I wanted to give a special shout out to Ashley Nasser Crawley. We have. Since the last recording uh promoted uh, Ashley. uh you know Ashley from all of the famous live blogs that she does uh and she is just an absolute talent i don't even know where I would be in my life <laughs> without Ashley she is amazing uh and and the quality work that she does uh is just oh my god it's it's through the roof and uh it's actually a good it's actually a good thing because uh the allanta cast blog has become so popular it has become such a destination for outlander uh the outlander verse uh we are well over Uh, Since our inception, well over, I I really shouldn't be sharing this, but I don't care. Since our inception, we are well over a million views, uh, and I'm really, really excited about that. That may not be uh, a lot to some people, but to us, from just an idea that we had at Podcast Movement that started from nothing, and you guys have made it an unbelievable thing. It's it's, it's become such a destination that we actually need more help running it. Kendra does an amazing job as editor-in-chief, but we are... Promoting Ashley uh, to associate editor uh, in chief uh, of the blog, Uh, and she has just she's earned it. She's done an amazing job uh, writing all of uh, writing all the articles that she does. Uh, She's extremely responsible, and she's an absolutely vital cog to what we do at uh, the Outlander Cast blog. So, just uh, I want to say, Ashley, as always, you know how much we love you, uh, and uh, this one is for you. So I hope uh, the rest of the Outlander Cast community especially at the Clan Gathering you guys take the time to uh to let Ashley know how much you appreciate her and uh, to congratulate her because it's actually a, it's actually kind of cool that she's able to do this. Uh and and then also on top of that I want to talk about two articles that we have done um on the Outlander Cast blog. Uh first we have a writer MM uh, Uko who has just oh my god she's just hit it out of the park with her first actual Um, article uh, and she talked about the need to tell stories realistically uh, through the lens of rape Uh, and and is outlander using this now relatively overused tv trope are we overusing it are we relying on it to move the plot forward is it necessary to see it the way that they have portrayed it. Is it necessary to even have it? And it's just great discussion, both for the pros and the cons of having rape used as a trope in television, specifically with Outlander. So I suggest that you take, you know, five minutes and read it. Go to the OutlanderCast.com, click on blog and uh, check out Uko's piece. And while you're there, I also want you to check out another piece too by the, oh my God, the, the fantastic, the the unbelievable, the super talented Janet Reynolds. Uh every article that she does is just out of this world, out of this universe popular. And she has actually created another article um about the lack of sex in Outlander season two. And she actually breaks it down logically and not just like a fangirl like, oh my God, I want sex It should be needed it. You know, like, but listen, they built it a certain way. They've advertised it a certain way that Outlander has. Uh, they've advertised season two a specific way. I mean, we all remember that Entertainment Weekly cover, right? Uh, I mean, how could you how could you ever forget that Entertainment Weekly cover? I'm still having dreams about it. Uh, we 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 were given a certain expectation, I think, as a fandom, both book readers and uh, show watchers, and then even more specifically, if you want to dive down even further season one viewers and then new viewers to season two. So I think season one viewers had an idea that, okay, you you, you sucked us in with uh, how intimate and how personal and how mature uh, sex can be viewed uh, in outlander. And then you, you built it up for season two and then you ripped it away, which, you know, it's your prerogative. um, But it's, I don't think it's a good prerogative. I don't think it's a good choice, Uh, but more importantly, Think of the season two viewers, people who have come in new to Outlander, maybe specifically because of the Outlander EW cover or because they saw all the great commercial for Outlander and they said, you know, I'll check out that season two. That, like, that looks pretty cool. So they went back and, and probably binged season one all to get, have the expectation of seeing what they wanted to see in season two and then not getting it. So, it's a great breakdown, I think, of what uh, Ron Moore and, and Diana Gabaldon and, and all those people at Stas and Tall Ships and what they, what they say and what they want uh, and how they have treated sex in season two. And uh, please, uh, take the time. It, it has... Uh, just blown up this article. And uh, congratulations to Janet for this uh, and how viral uh, essentially it has gone. I'm so proud of her. So please take the time and a moment uh, to actually check it out. In the meantime, I'm going to quit wasting your time. Let's get right into all of your feedback. Well, on the website we got one from Sherry, and she says my GBG was the good Diana Gabaldon writing this episode. The bad was Mary killing Danton, and and I think obviously Danton is the the uh, the servant from Lord Sandringham. Uh, and she says that's bad because it's another innocence lost. And I'm also positive that she's not referring to Danton there. She's probably referring to Mary Hawkins losing her innocence. And the great was Jamie's prayer for Claire. It brought her to tears. 4.6 kilts for her. And uh, she says that Claire kills Dougal Blake. I don't think so. Unless Ron totally goes over the edge. She is a healer. Blake and uh, I think Sherry oh I know that Sherry is referring to my outlandish theory of the week last episode where I said that I think Claire kills Dougal and I maintain that she does I think it is a fitting end for that character and I th- also think it's a fitting act for Claire she is not above killing uh and I think most importantly what that does that that resolve for that character, for Claire, in protecting Jamie. And within context, what I'm saying here is, I think Claire kills Dougal in protecting Jamie in some way. And what and Jamie has spent all of his time protecting Claire, uh, and, and deservedly so. But I think Claire now has an opportunity to prove, um, not prove, but just show how tough she is uh, in, in those terms. And what I really liked most was, Mary losing her innocence uh about killing Danton. Uh yes, I totally agree. Uh it, it's it's sad that it had to happen, but I think it's I think it's necessary for her to take power over her own destiny. No, Danton did not rape Mary. It was some other Jabroni who did it but he was the one who was in charge of that. Let's call it a mission. Okay. He's in charge of that. And she has it like, like Murtaugh needed to get vengeance. I feel like Mary had to get vengeance upon, you know, the person who I think you could argue took her innocence or at least the person responsible for being in charge of that mission. Uh, Her innocence was already taken. I think, uh, by being raped. And as bad as that is to say that, I, uh, and as unfortunate as it is for the character, I think it's true. It's something she became a little bit less, a little bit less, um, I would say, uh, naive when that happened. So that's my suggestion on that. Sally L. writes in, she says, I'm listening to the podcast now, and of course, Blake had to minimize Diana's work in this episode. No, Blake, they didn't give it to her because there was not a lot going on. I thought that this was Mary's show. And you want to ban herself from the podcast? If this exact episode was written by Blake's man crush, Ira, who has a few bad ones. And this episode was absolutely fantastic. My non-book reader spouse loved it too. Between the subliminal Diana bashing and the ridiculous France should not have happened, this podcast is becoming annoying. Just watch the show with an open mind. Book readers should put the book down just as I have. Sally, you know... you. (laughs) You're uh, you're you're firing some shots across the bow here, and, and you know what? That's your right. Uh, you have every right to come in and, and comment on what I say. I, I think um, I think you've earned that as a listener. Thank you for listening. I, I I I'm flattered that you listen and you take what I say and what my wife says uh, to heart the way that you do. However, I will maintain that I don't ever remember minimizing Diana's work. As a matter of fact, I, and I think I commented on this on the website. I remember actually giving Diana a, a standing ovation uh, just the way that, same way that I did for Ashley uh, at the end of our the episode. I congratulated her on a job well done. No, I, I, I don't believe that a lot happened this episode. I think it jumped from place to place. But in terms of the plot, not a lot happened I mean you know they, they start off Claire and, and Jamie they they are where they are they get exiled essentially from Charlie and then they get captured at the house at the church and then Claire gets taken away Jamie has to find her and then they kill a Sandringham that is not all ton that's not a knock on her on Diana that's more a knock on storyboarding that's more of a knock on when the writers break the season right uh when you break the season you're figuring out okay which episode has what when it when does each particular thing happen in each particular episode and then you and then you go forth and then you write that episode after after you've broke it that said this probably falls more on the shoulders of ron moore uh or uh i don't i don't want to say uh i i, I don't want to say meryl davis because she, she's not in charge of the writer's room but it, it just feels like more of a collaborative thing where they had decided this is going to be more of a transitional episode and not a lot was going to happen and if ira had written this episode i too would still say that not a lot happened although i will admit <laughs> that i have a slight man crush on iris steven bear yes i do he his 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 work in television is uh almost second to none uh he is a fantastic writer and i'm actually glad that your non-book reading spouse loved the episode just like i did i, I think it was a good episode a well rounded episode of outlander it was fun it was serious uh it had some good intimate moments It had some action. Uh, It still played with the sci-fi bit here a little bit. And when I think of Outlander, like I said last episode, you have to have all of those elements for Outlander to be considered a good episode because Outlander cannot be identified as one particular thing. Most Most television shows, whether they're good or bad, the great shows can be a bunch of different things. Like uh, it like Lost, you know, uh, Lost uh, could be uh, we have to go back. Kate. Lost could be a cop show. Lost could be a medical drama. Lost could be a thriller. Lost could be a science show. It, it could be all of those different things because it had tons of different characters, tons of different backstories. And guess what? Outlander can be the same exact thing because you have a lot of of different things happening. You have a lot of different ideas all being cobbled together or boiled together in this giant cauldron of outlander. Uh and because of that I, it can be amorphous and it can change just like how shows like Breaking Bad or Lost or Mad Men could could do so. So Kathy Van Wessop says, I give this episode four and a half kilts. I took away points because of the editing out of 50% of what Diana wrote, which made the second half choppy. It became a humorous farce, either intentionally or unintentionally, which if you took it as that was actually very entertaining. I loved having the humor, which is a hallmark of Diana's writing in the midst of the drama and revenge. We had a nice mix of tenderness between Jamie and Claire, Rupert mourning Angus, Dougal showing his care and loyalty to Rupert, who, like Angus, was always loyal to his war chief, Claire being Claire again, and the Duke making us love to hate him. Murtaugh fulfilling his promise and Mary getting her revenge, although Danton was not the one who actually raped Mary he of course was the ringleader and the only one she could get revenge upon i'm glad it was her and not jamie who stabbed that swine of course she will be affected by it and by the fact that her godfather was part of the rape plan and seeing him decapitated the girl has more suffering Ahead, and I don't know. And I'm going to stop here for one moment. I don't know how close she is to her godfather. It doesn't seem like she is, but still, seeing a man decapitated the way that he was in front of her—someone who probably, actually, no, has never seen something like that ever happen—you can pretty much infer that. Yeah, I didn't even think about it in those terms. That has to really. I mean, change a lot of things. Change your point of view on a lot. Not only was this was this girl raped, then she murders Danton, then she sees her godfather decapitated. These are seismic shifts in her character, which is why it's important that she do these things. It's important that she see what happened to her godfather. It's important she do what she did to Danton. Because without these things, then her character is just this mousy little girl. She doesn't have an arc. And if she doesn't have an arc, why are we watching, right? So that's why it's great, and that's why I'm happy uh, uh, like Kathy here, when you know Mary did what she did. Kathy then follows it up says, Blake, not all episodes can have wow factors. You have to have transitional episodes connecting those big episodes. And I think Diana did a good job of wrapping things up with the Duke and getting us to Inverness, which happens to be close to Culloden and Craig and the Dune, where we will end up in the end. Yes, Kathy, no, not every single episode has to have a wow factor. The problem, though, is how you define wow, you know, in quotations. What is wow? To me, wow is I, I watch the episode, I turn it off, and I see it, and I go, damn, that was pretty good. You know, I think about it, and I engage it on a philosophical level. I engage it on an emotional level. Uh, and And when those things happen, when those episodes happen, they last with you. And- I'm not saying that this episode didn't have that. I expect shows to wow me, uh, especially shows that I love. You know, if we're talking about Lost or we're talking um, about Battlestar Galactica. So say we all. Or if we're talking about Breaking Bad or if we're talking about 24 or The West Wing. Those shows should wow me. I should watch an episode and say, that was effing fantastic even though that there are transitional episodes, something should still happen. Like you have these amazing, like Lost did have transitional episodes and some of them were were very bad. <laughs> um, some of them were very bad. Uh, I think the same thing can go for 24 and all, and even Breaking Bad, even Mad Men. Yes, they did have them, but they minimize them and they shoot them in creative ways. Unless of course you have shows uh, like The Leftover Season 2 or House of Cards Season 1, um, halt and catch fire season one really really bloodline season one really special television events that every single episode bring it and every single episode has something to say about the plot about character and it moves the story forward in an absolutely vital way those are special seasons of television i mean special beyond imagination so our transitional episode's Uh, important? Yes. It's a matter of how you shoot them, how you write them, and if you're doing it in a creative way. And are you doing those things? And uh, is Outlander doing those things? Uh, And and it's okay to have transitions as long as you do them, uh, I think, in a way that's creative. Uh, And the emails, uh, we got got an email uh, from Donna, and she said, I just listened to your Outlander podcast episode 64 for the third time. Obviously, she enjoyed it. You know what? Wow. That is amazing. Thank you, Donna. That is, I can't believe you listened to our podcast three times. And uh, she wanted to comment on two mispronouncements. Uh, one, Blake, the Scottish language is pronounced Gaelic as in me in my gal and not Gallic. And two, Mary, it's lemmings that follow each other over cliffs and not lemurs. Um, I don't know. Uh Yes, thank you. Uh, she just wanted to let us know that uh, she was paying attention and she'll be checking the podcast awards next week. So expect another email from me soon. And uh, for those of you who do not know, I don't know how you don't know, but uh, we were nominated for the podcast awards uh, in uh, three different categories and actually tomorrow, uh, the 26th uh the podcast awards will be announced so we will find out if uh, all the hard work you guys have done for us and blessing us with your with your good graces and the time that it took to vote for us We'll see how it turned out. Well, on Facebook, uh, Melanie Camp Longridge says, I loved this podcast episode. I adore Bethany Frankel and love that you mentioned her. I wish I had a tiny bit of her assertiveness. Take no prisoners. Give zero fracks attitude. I was pleasantly surprised that Blake said as many nice things about Diana's script that he did. See, Melanie, thank you. I, I thought I I thought I did that. Um and I enjoyed this episode very much and would give it four point eight kilts regarding Dougal I did find him good and bad in the books as well as the show you really don't like him but then you kind of do you have to admit he is a great badass and yes when you can jump from horse to horse and save people with one arm is people as generously sized as uh, Rupert yes you are a badass and that she loves his character and and that he is neither black nor white, just a lovely shade of gray. The good was Mary getting her revenge. The bad was the Bonnie Prince taking Jamie's horse And the great was all of the character humor. I loved the one liners. Linda Boulay says anxious to listen, had trouble with the good, bad, great this week, too many goods and greats, but no big standouts and no bads. Bad things happen, but even they, the bads were actually at least good. Does that make sense? I just got back from the dentist, so it may be the Novocaine hangover speaking. <laughs> yeah, you know, Linda, I, I, I understand what you're saying. This episode was good. It, it wasn't boring, it, but it wasn't great either. It was, it was there, and things happened, and I wasn't bored, so it wasn't terrible, but it just it, nothing really jumped at you. Jane Roser says 4.8 kilts Scotland is not for the squeamish apparently someone wrote this phrase on a loo wall in a bar in Edinburgh but it would have made a great alternate title for this episode between the teeth getting ripped out eyes gouged and heads chopped off this could be an old Scots version of a slasher flick flick as soon as the Duke appeared I knew he was a goner anyone recall what the reverend told Frank in the pilot That the Duke died under mysterious circumstances before the Battle of Culloden. Wow, that's actually really great recall there. Thank you, Jane. The good was the opening title with the free for of the wig before it falls to the floor. Dougal pulling an Indiana Jones, jumping on Rupert's horse to save him. But why did they run off leaving their men behind that? bugged me claire's expression seeing jamie's wanted poster on the inn's door the return of hugh in that cool door hidden behind a painting in the duke's house i need this for my condo the bad was the duke's courier finding hugh so easily it was a bit odd also the body prints oh my lands he is such a whiny wanker no wonder they lost then he banished the frasers to replenish supplies on credit no one likes a Moocher, Kato. <laughs> and why would they exile their only surgeon? I you know, I don't know if that she was the only surgeon, but yes, that's actually a valid point. The great besides when Jamie leapt over the wall with his kilt swaying in the breeze and the wind blowing Farrah hair. I loved watching Jamie and Myrta hilariously try to decipher Claire's letter. Rupert keeping his sense of humor after losing both his best friend, in his eye, in Murtaugh's line, I kept my word, I lay my vengeance at your feet. Although I'm sure Claire was not expecting a Highlander reenactment of the quickening and would have preferred not to have a severed head placed at her feet. In the immortal words of my mom, "ew." However, excellent episode. It had all the intrigue, drama, romance, comedy, suspense, a chase scene, and a crime scene investigator's worst nightmare. Bravo. Bella Lee says, Someone just pointed out to me that when Rupert asked Jamie to give Claire a wink from him, I loved, loved, loved that, by the way. It was a double joke from the writer, which is obviously Diana Gabaldon, and includes an extra for readers because Jamie apparently can't wink. I totally forgot about that. A perfect example of humor. Dark. Vicki Johnston chimes in. She says, greatly enjoyed the most recent podcast. Thank you. Very entertaining. Point of order, though. Mary needs a ding because I think she meant the men from Lallybrock were like lemmings and not lemurs. And uh, Vicky, you know what? Even though Mary's not here, she still gets her bell. But not so fast, Blake. You had a problem, too, not recognizing pheromones. You guys are so much fun to listen to. I voted every day, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed, that you win your podcast awards. Thank you very much, Vicky. I really appreciate that. And as always, no one is safe on the Outlander cast. Even I get the dings, too. That's right. If I screw up, I still get a ding. And actually, I got a lot of dings lately. I got a lot of bells this season. I'm actually quite upset with myself. Lynn Armstrong says, but Mary, you definitely nailed. Oh, man, this is going to be bad. I'm going to get another ding. You know what? I'm just going to do it right away. You nailed the ophthalmatic word, can totally see you blitzing Blake on the SATs. Good for you. You should have another bell to use for getting something right. No, no, no. We only like to do to ring bells when things go wrong here in Outlandercast. Just to make us feel that much worse. Um but yes, Mary did smoke me on the SATs. I only got like a I think I got a, a, an 1100 or 1150 back when, you know, you was graded on 1600 or less. And I think Mary got like a 1350 or something or 1400. She, you know, I make fun of Mary a lot and uh, she's my wife and she puts up with me. I don't know how she does, but she does it uh, in a lot of jest and she has a lot of fun with me. But I got to tell you, Mary is much smarter than I am. Uh, Mary is so much smarter than me. Uh, it, it, it's actually embarrassing. Uh, she listen she is actually just a much better person than me Uh, she's a fun warm kind person who's very smart wonderful with our kids and again she puts up with me so she basically she's god <laughs> that's what it comes down to she's just amazing and I and I I totally outkicked my coverage uh, I still don't know how she, she married me I totally outkicked my coverage when it came to her uh, I still don't know why she got married or even why she ha- chose to have children with me um, because she's such an amazing person. I uh, And uh, of course, she's not here to defend herself as I say all this. Um, but my life would not be complete. It would be uh, it would be over if not for her. And the funny thing is, this is the honest to God truth. Uh, when I met Mary for the first time, we actually met on Match.com. For those of you who are listening right now, we met Mary and I met on Match.com back in 2007 uh, I was working about 80 or 90 hours a week. Uh, Mary was working the same as a teacher uh, and doing other other odd-end jobs, and we just didn't have the time to uh, go out to bars or whatever. And uh, she had not gone on many dates, uh, I think because, well, at least what she tells me, <laughs> is that she wanted the free meals uh, from guys who would buy her a meal or buy her a drink. And the funny thing is, is that Mary was the first person I ever went out on a date on uh, on a date with, uh, from online, uh, and the second that I met her, uh, the, the, the moment that I heard the first words from her mouth, uh, I knew that was it. Uh, and, uh, that's cheesy. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of pathetic when you think about it, but it's the truth. I knew she was mine and my life was over as I knew it, uh, in the best way possible when I met Mary, uh so enough of me enough of me uh blabbering on about that. Uh Charmin Youngblug says, Regarding Blake's criticism about Simon's cartoonish performance of the Duke, I think he was supposed to appear that way. Diana wrote him with this extremely high voice so that whenever he opened his mouth, people wanted to laugh. He used this attribute to connive and manipulate, because everyone discounted his intelligence. It's hard to take the Duke seriously. When he speaks like Blake's version of Claire's voice, <laughs> squirrely. Uh, Charmin, you know, this is actually a really good insight uh, into the Duke. Uh, and and now knowing that his voice was supposed to be so high and that you weren't supposed to take him seriously. Of course, that doesn't mean that they can't change things to better suit that character. But it's good knowing that the character is supposed to be kind of this weird um quirky kind of kind of guy it's it 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 at least sheds a little bit more light on it Claire mccarthy says i agree with blake that it seemed very little happened in this episode short of vengeance and getting it set up for the final episodes at least in terms of advancing the story i think we will see that the audience needed such a breather after the next two episodes air i enjoyed the podcast uh, this episode very much although i thought it was soap opera ish at times i disagree with blake's assessment of mary a bit she's just 16 i think and clearly was very sheltered and told what to do all the time but mary obviously admires claire very much and i think wants to emulate her yes when claire goes to see mary after her rape she's all dreamy about alex but when claire asks her how she feels she reveals her torment this girl had no idea what sex was just a couple of episodes before. So, of course, she would have a hard time processing it. I think, like many people who have been traumatized, she has pushed that trauma down and is trying to be as normal as possible. I normally wouldn't say this, but I was so glad when she skewered her rapist. I think Mary has an inner strength she's only beginning to discover. Claire, thank you. That is amazing. Andre, I think it's Andre or Andrea, I, I'm not sure. Andrea Poppleton says, For me, the beating heart the heart, the flame at the core is missing from series two. I keep hoping they will rekindle it, but it's become a very good, swashbuckling historical adventure, not the unique experience that it was in the books, or as it was in series one. There are tender moments between Jamie and Claire, but the intensity of their sexual energy has gone. They don't even show a hint of it. Preston Pans held the promise of ending with that beautiful scene from the book where they make love under a tree after the exhaustion of the battle, but instead they ended it with two drunken men. What the hell? We can speculate about the many reasons for this and wonder at the over-sexualized, bordering on tacky, EW photo shoot in the lead up to the series, but unfortunately the producers writers and the actors will only talk to us about through this, through a smoke screen now. Okay. Uh, I've heard about this lovemaking session, uh, after the battle, I personally, for me, uh, I'm glad that they didn't do it. Uh, I think it would have stood. I think it would have stuck out or stood out like a sore thumb and I thought it was more appropriate especially after Angus's death to pay tribute to Angus, not only for the characters to do so, but for us, the viewers, I wanted a, a mention of Angus's death. I wanted some time to be spent on that uh, and reflect on that. Because again, like we said in that episode, death has meaning in the Outlanderverse. you know, would it have been, a little inappropriate for jamie to for jamie and claire to to trot off and 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 get jiggy with it but that's just the characters talking would it have been inappropriate for the show to do that and in my opinion yes i think it would have uh so i don't mind the fact that we ended up with uh rupert and uh log carrier number two god i can't remember his name uh, so please don't kill me. <laughs> um, but it would it, it was more appropriate that we ended up with those guys instead of Claire and Jamie having sex. Although yes, uh, and I will I will defer to Janet because she's bet, put it more a lot more poetically and succinctly <laughs> and a lot more smartly than I ever could. Uh, so please as it relates to my opinion about the sex, please go read Janet's piece on uh, a sexless outlander season two on the outlander cast blog. Shelley Rossi Carlisle says, I've read all the books a couple of times. Book two was my least favorite. I had to get past all of the politics. It was confusing and not interesting to me i realize its importance it was just not my cup of tea with that said i am really impressed with this second season i think the writers have done a great job presenting the audience with a clear and entertaining view and declare and jamie's struggle to change history and of course the cast is brilliant any thoughts I, I put this in here hoping that mary would have an opinion and of course mary is not here so i <laughs> i'm stuck giving my opinion My opinion is that season two has been uneven. Uh, It doesn't mean I'm not enjoying it. It doesn't mean that uh, it's not, it doesn't have a good story to tell. I'm still waiting for the final two episodes to air, to give you a complete uh, picture of what season two is. Uh, I think it, it's uneven uh, 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 in more uneven than season one was because You know, the first half is in France and I know I've harped on this. so I'm not going to but France just in my opinion was not a good direction Uh, and I know it's part of the source material and you 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 probably have to you probably have to stick to it Um, and maybe that's a problem with the source material more so than it is the show Uh, and I know you know people at the Church of Diana are going to freak out by me saying that but that is nonetheless true. It's okay to say that there are problems with the source material. And as good as the second half so far in Scotland has been, and it has been pretty good. Uh, it, I'm just not sure it's enough to make up for what happened in Paris. That being said, like I said, I'm waiting for the last two episodes to give you uh, a complete picture on what it is. Uh, it, Paris just was not like Shelley, not my cup of tea. And uh, I'm impressed with, I think, how uh, difficult it is to adapt the book to the show. Of course, I didn't read the books, so I can't give you an educated opinion on it. But from what I've seen, you know, in the conversations and in, in the, in the Outlander verse and in the Clan Gathering, book two was a difficult book uh, to read uh, for enjoyment, but also to deconstruct. And I, I, I credit RDM with uh, doing a good job. Uh, That he already did on Twitter. Kim Downing says, "Okay, who can make a picture of lemurs all running to jump off of a cliff? LOL with a winky emoticon. Yes, somebody, someone out there is so creative that they will make a picture of lemurs jumping off of a cliff. Please, please, please do so. Stan Zerl says, hey, I just started listening to your great podcast and I love it. So funny. It's like talking to friends. Well, Stan Zerl, this one is for you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining the family. Uh, I really appreciate the kind words and I hope uh, you continue to engage with us going forward. Christine Romeo says, listening to the podcast, I agree with Margaret that I don't want to be mean, but uh, herself is a better book writer And she was disappointed with episode 211. Again, I have to kind of stand back from that comment uh, because I haven't read her book. Uh, And I thought the episode was okay. I thought it was good. Uh, So, you know, it is what it is. Steph says Blake's imitation of Mary eating bread on the listener feedback episode, uh, reminded me of cookie monster hashtag too much toddler time, hashtag cookie, Mary. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was the, that was the sound I made <laughs> on the on the listener feedback episode for Preston pans. Um, Yeah. And this is a note to you guys. The more creative your hashtags are, I promise you, you will get on the episode uh, for the listener feedback. In fact, I'm almost considering having a segment for just hashtags, uh, who can come up with the most creative hashtag. Uh, I think I like that idea a lot. I will speak with Mary about that when she gets back from her concert. Sharon Grant says, outstanding. Murtaugh rocks an axe. Jamie rocks a prayer. Claire rocks the pliers. And more of Jamie's tools, please. And uh, oh, I don't have the name here, and I'm so sorry. Uh, oh, here it is. Shelly Martin says Scott with a twist of Thrones, and she actually she put uh, Scotch uh, in in uh, uh, parentheses. Very cool. And uh, she put a martini emoticon after that. Excellent. Ashley Crawley says, I mean seriously, what? can't, Claire do she can't pull my teeth out. That's what she can't do. Ashley, thank you so much. I love the creativity you got on Instagram. Sandy Sowen says, "I had to laugh when I realized getting the prince to listen to reason was like pulling teeth." Excellent, excellent, excellent insight, uh Sandy Sowen. I I hadn't even thought about that and uh, the fact that there was juxtaposed those two scenes together, Claire pulling the teeth, Uh, And then trying to talk to uh, Charlie at the same time, it is like trying to pull teeth. Every Cart says, at last, there is my tender and fierce Jamie. I knew Diana's touch was in the script by that familiar, melting, swoony feeling in my heart. And the humor that was never quite captured from her books in the previous episodes was finally evident as well. And Every Cart, yes, I loved the humor in this episode. I thought it was captured very well. Story Girl in NY says the sense of humor was appreciated and the dramatic build of tension was masterful. I understand wanting to make Mary more active, but don't necessarily think going from rape victim to murderer is a positive. Also, an extremely valid point. What do you guys think is going from rape victim to murderer a positive move for for Mary Hawkins? And I guess it really depends upon what you define positive as uh but yeah i i think it's it could be a step back for the character becca gypsy butterfly says i love the scenes when claire's maternal fondness for fergus shines also in am loving mary's development as she finds her inner strength and courage jamie's blessing over her sleeping uh, uh, uh her <laughs> you know what wow holy crap ola also, am loving Mary's development as she finds her inner strength and courage. Jamie's blessing over his sleeping Claire brought tears to my eyes. Uh, I love the maternal fondness uh, that Claire usually brings to Fergus. I, I I adore that relationship. And I, even as much as I love the relationship between she and Fergus, I love the Jamie and Fergus relationship even more. It's a, it's like a male bonding. It's it's a male thing, I think. I I, I uh, I, of course, I'm a little biased, uh, But I just I love that that connection that those two have. It's a father son thing, but it's also a brother to brother relationship. Uh, it almost, you know, what's really funny? It kind of reminds me of of Obi Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker in Episode three of Star Wars. Uh, those two, it, you know, they went from the father son relationship, but it ended up becoming an equal brother to brother relationship. Uh and I really appreciated that and I think that's probably why um that's why I like it. Well, this time now it is for the tweet of the week. Here we go. This week's tweet of the week comes from OTP Meg. She says, "You know, I've always wanted the naked man to pray over me." I mean, in this way, of course. Not that Creepy way, <laughs> and uh, yes, OTP Meg. I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, well, I wouldn't want a naked man praying over me if it was. Yeah, no. You know what? I'm just gonna leave that one. I'm gonna lay that one there. I'm gonna sit one down, and I'm gonna step away, and I'm gonna back off from that comment. Uh, but yes, congratulations for winning the tweet of the week uh, for this week. Uh, as you probably already know, you have now won a twenty dollar gift card from the Tag You're It. Etsy shop as a result of this I will put you in touch uh, with Don the owner of the tag your it Etsy shop via Twitter I'll put you guys together at the same time tag your it Etsy shop tag your mama tag your pet tag your it whatever it is and now uh, I think it's time to get to the voicemails so let's do it
1: from Missouri um, just want to tell you how much I enjoy your podcast. I just listened to your um of Mine," and I love the episode. And there's another podcast I listened to, and I was excited, and I listened to theirs, and it's they didn't like it, and it was so much, so much in the detail, and they didn't like this and that. And I really don't care about all of that. I care about how I feel and the relationships and the action and you know just the overall um episode altogether I'm not concerned about all the fine print and checking off things that did or didn't happen in the book and I'm a book reader but I consider it like a episode of the old show Sliders it's just an alternate dimension <laughs> of Outlander this is one and this is a completely different one similar but still great and I enjoy it as that um so I wanted want to thank you guys for um just in, enjoying it like I do and and for all of your, um, the humor and everything else and all your great c- comments on the show and things I missed and just really enjoy your podcast and, um, thank you. Bye.
0: Well, thank you for uh calling in and, uh, listen, um, you know, every podcast is different and I appreciate what you're coming from. Um, you know, we here at Outlander Cast uh, we like to talk about the show. We like to make fun of it. We like to make fun of each other. And and uh, we like when you guys make fun of us, as a matter of fact. Um, we, we like to discuss the serious nature of it, but also um, what we feel when we watch this show, whether it's good or bad, whether it is worthy of our time or not worthy of our time. Uh, and And that's the way I think Mary and I approach television or movies, even for that matter. What is your experience with it? Because something doesn't happen in the book or because something happens different in the book or different in the show, it doesn't make it wrong. It just makes sense to itself. Now, does something matter? Do books, do the books matter? Of course they matter. That's the whole point. That's what we're here for. They are adapting that property. But as long as the show does what it does and as long as it makes sense and as long as it's organic to itself, what does it matter if Murtaugh doesn't show up or or column shows up later on in in the book or whatever you name one thing, whatever you want to name the changes? Does it really matter as long as it makes sense within the show? And I will say, you know, each podcast, you know, whether it's the Outlander uh, podcast or the Scott and the Sassanok, or Dram of Outlander or Outlandish or any any one of the number of fantastic podcasts uh, about Outlander, they each have a different flavor. They each have strengths. Um, the Scott and the Sassanok are really, really, really good with story. That is their profession. They break it down. Um, in Outlander podcast, they are, they love the books and they discuss the books and, uh, they, they just love Outlander and, and, uh, everybody else has their own strengths. Uh, so in podcasting is, I don't care who you are, what you're doing, how often you've done it, how good you are at it or how, um, what your setup is, whether you have a custom built studio like us, or if you're just doing it on your laptop with no mics, podcasting is hard. Um, so, Uh, You know, I will give everybody credit for making a show and producing a show and doing what they got to do. But I will say uh, thank you for the very kind words. And yes, we here at Outlander cast are about what does Outlander make you feel? What is your experience with it? And we are here to break down the experience. So I'm so glad that you listen to other shows. I'm so glad that you listen to us. Uh, Thank you for taking the time.
2: Um, I'm just calling about Diana Gabaldon's um, script the other night. Um, I agree that it was a little choppy in the second half, but um, the one thing I loved about it is I do think she knows these characters better than anybody, um, and I love the humor. Uh, I have been missing that um, in the uh, in the TV show, and I just, um, when Murtaugh, said she even spelled help wrong Mm -hmm. um i laughed out loud (laughs) and so um which is the first time i think i've laughed out loud in outlander so it's one of the reasons i love the books um and it's one of the reasons i really loved her episode so anyway um i gave it uh 4.8 kilts and um really looking forward to this saturday thanks a lot for your podcast enjoy it thank you bye
0: Thank you for calling in, uh, and next time, uh, please, uh, and I, I, this may or not may, or may not have been your first time calling, but next time, please, uh, when you do call in, just say who you are and where you're from, if you don't mind. Uh, I, I would really appreciate that. Uh, that way, we can give you proper credit, um, and I, I'd love to know if you're from Massachusetts, because that makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, the humor was back, and of course, Diana knows these characters through and through. I mean, these are her characters, and... And it's it's only natural for her to be as good as she is or write as well as she does in terms of these characters. Um And I think it was a special job that she did.
3: Hello, Mary. Hello, Blake. This is Kathleen, and I'm from Kentucky. This is my first time calling in, and I've really had to catch up on your podcast, like, really quickly. So <laughs> I've been binge listening, I suppose. Um, I just really want to say that I think Blake deserves a whole lot more credit than he's been being given by other listeners. And I feel that he's really doing a wonderful job with breaking the show down and comparing it to to what us as book readers really know. And he really hits on several wonderful points. And I just wanted to bring up this, Blake, you're doing a wonderful job, and I love your humor, and I love your frame of mind. It's wonderful. And keep bringing it like you bring it. Thank you. (laughs)
0: Wow, that literally just made my night. I wow, thank you. That I love the show of support. Usually I expect that coming from Massachusetts people, but you're from Kentucky. That a girl. That's that wow, man, that is that is phenomenal. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that credit. Uh, although I will Again, give most of the credit to my darling wife, who is not here, of course. Um, She is what makes, she stirs the drink here, and uh, I just show up with a microphone in front of my face, and I just say what comes to my mind. And uh, but I I do appreciate the fact that you uh, that you like what I have to say. Thank you.
4: hi mary hi blake this is renee from northern california i love your podcast love the clan gathering on facebook so thanks so much for setting up such a wonderful community for us outlander fans about the last episode i wanted to talk about our good friend the bonnie prince and why he might have abandoned jamie and treated him so badly i really think it's a case of he just takes jamie for granted he knows jamie's going to be loyal to him no matter what Whereas these generals haven't always been on his side, and he wants to please them and kind of kiss up to them because they're sort of the cool guys that he wants to impress. Hmm. Whereas he knows Jamie's not going to uh, abandon him, so he can treat him badly, and that's no problem. As for Dougal, I think Dougal's character makes a lot of sense, considering what we know of Dougal Dougal cares about his self-interest first and foremost, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have loyalty or concern for other people on his side, like Rupert, who's a part of Clan Mackenzie, who he's known for years. And even Jamie and Claire, you know, I think he does care for them as long as what they are doing and what they want doesn't go against his own interests. And I have to say one of my favorite parts of Outlander is the fact that these characters are three-dimensional and complex, and they're not sort of all black or all white, all good, all bad. They're multifaceted, and I think that's awesome. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.
0: Well, thank you for calling in, Uh, and if you guys can notice, actually, uh, she actually used uh, what's called uh, the SpeakPipe app that we have on OutlanderCast.com, and she uh, called, I think, either through her phone or her computer. I'm not exactly sure, but you can tell the the sound quality. I, I always prefer that um uh, that you guys the listeners i mean we love that you call the our our, our hotline thank you don't ever stop calling the uh <laughs> the, the hotline we love your voicemails but it, if you ever get a chance go to Llandercast.com and check out the SpeakPipe app uh and uh that way you get the, this amazing sound quality uh but again yeah thank you i hmm you this episode just rocked and i think you put it more <laughs> a lot more smartly than ever i could i, I ever could
3: Hi, Marion Blake. This is Rosemary Knight, a.k.a. Flower Rose. I want to make a commentary about Season 2. I've already commented previously that I'm missing the intimacy between Jamie and Claire that's clearly in the book and was so prevalent in Season 1. While I've watched so many of the episodes on an individual basis, um, as a whole, the season has left a lot to be desired. Personally, I feel that the show is suffering from the Sassamore Blues. The showrunners have made the classic mistake that so many new shows make. They listen to the critics who called the show a bodice ripping romance for middle aged women. So they uh, you know
0: what, Rosemary? This 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 is for you.
3: Bam. Bam. A
0: I'm, I'm just gonna put that out there right now. I'm gonna lay that right there. And then we're going to continue the uh, the the, uh, the voicemail.
3: We went to great lengths to distance the show from that description. Instead of tender, passionate moments between Jamie and Claire, we got totally unnecessary lessons and dildos and erotic art of the brothel, <laughs> among other things. While I don't agree with agree with you, Blake, that France could have been eliminated altogether, I do believe that the preface. Rant portion of the show could have easily been condensed to five episodes instead of six by getting rid of so much superfluous stuff that really didn't move the story along. Instead, they could have given us an entire episode at Lollybrock where we could have watched Jamie and Claire reconnect and regain the passion instead of been given the impression that that was going on. That episode could have ended with the letter from Jared. I believe that the showrunners, and even Diane Gabaldon herself, are missing the point by saying that Outlander isn't a romance. At its core, Outlander is a romance, but it's a lot more than that. It's a rich story about a strong woman and the man she loves and all the adventures they share together. But by trying to distance themselves from that description, the showrunners are doing their fans a great disservice. And let's be honest, most TV shows out there, regardless of the genre, Showcase at least one great romance. I could think of a whole bunch. Bones, castle, NCIS, even Game of Thrones. I hope the showrunners learn from their mistakes and bring back the passion in season three. That's all from now. Have a great day, guys.
0: Rosemary, this is the first time in Outlander Cast history that this is going to happen. Are you ready for this? This is the first time. Two bells for one phone call. <laughs> Bam. That just blew my doors off. I'm not even going to continue to comment on it. That Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
5: Hey, Mary and Blake, it's Denise. Um, I just wanted to call in and give you my thoughts about vengeance is mine. Um, I agree with you so much, Mary, on the previous, le- previously on Outlander. I wish they would just cut that out. It's so... Um, it's being spoon-fed, and I think it's kind of it foreshadows so much or gives you so much that it almost is like, well, why do I even need to watch the episodes since you just gave me all this information? So I agree with you on that, and I also wanted to tell you that going into this episode, I was really a little bit concerned because I kept seeing pictures and screen caps of what was to come in this episode, and I thought there's so much material that they need to cover, and it's going to look awful and it's going to be choppy and it was really great it was um, the amount of contact content that they did and it just didn't feel like it was disjointed like episode two did to me there was so much information and introductions in episode two and it just it just felt like they just stopped and started and stopped and started and this was much more of a better flow and I don't know if that's because Diana wrote it or she, and she was really involved in it or if it's just the way it ended up being. But um, I would say that this episode really flowed well. As far as kilt rating, I'd say maybe a 4.8, still not a 5 for me. I had a 5, I think, back at Faith or maybe even the one after that. I can't remember. <laughs> but, um that's all I've got for you guys today. Oh, I think we're going to need to start getting Blake a hairstylist before you guys do any kind of podcasting <laughs> because he worries about how much he's got hot head helmet, hot hot hair, helmet head. And um, maybe just get him a hairstylist, Mary, before you guys go on, and then we won't have to worry about it. Happy Father's Day, Blake. See you guys. Have a good week. Bye.
0: Denise, you rock. Thank you. That That's all. That's it. That's all I got. You just, you rock. Thank you so much for, uh, calling me out. I, I appreciate that. Well, that is it now guys. Uh, I think it's time to close out the show. I hope you have enjoyed, uh, my, my hosting abilities. I know I'm terrible at it. Thank you for, for dealing with me, uh, this entire time, but now it is time to, uh, close out the show. So this is usually when we, uh, Mary and I, discuss uh, what we're looking forward to uh, for next episode. And I will tell you this. I have no idea what she's looking forward to. <laughs> Zero clue. Um, and if, if I could get her on here, if I could have her call or FaceTime or whatever, I would. But it, it I can't. She's playing music. Uh, but I will tell you uh, that I'm looking forward to seeing if I'm right. If I am right uh, that um, Claire kills Dougal. Uh, and i, I and I, I got a feeling that I am right. I don't know what it is, but I got a feeling. And I have come uh, to grips with the fact that the show will not only will not just have five minutes in the future, as much as I would love that to happen. And I've also come to grips with the idea that the show will not end with Claire touching the stones. I don't know why. I just I just I've come to grips with that. In fact, I think this next episode, uh, the Hail Mary will be, um, hmm, I think this will be the last episode we see uh, in the 1700s. And I think this episode will end with Claire touching the um, touching the stones. And I think that the Hail Mary uh, is a play on words. This will focus a lot on Mary Hawkins. As a matter of fact, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. This episode is when we find out that uh, Frank is not Black Jack Randall's kid. In fact, it is uh, Alex's kid, and, I, and, and I'm and i going to guarantee this too. Alex dies this episode, and I'm going to guarantee the fact that Black Jack Randall gets married to Mary Hawkins because Alex dies and uh, because she's pregnant and she needs someone to understand that she she's not, has, has a kid and that he, the father isn't dead and she needs to get married. And it's going to happen. I just put put the bell on it right now. <sighs> so as for now, guys, um, until next time, my name is Blake. And you've been listening to OutlanderCast. And thank you for putting up with me. <laughs> I hope. You, please tell me if I did a good job or a bad job. If I did a shitty job, then tell me. I'm I'm fully willing to accept that, and hopefully, I'll get better next time. But uh, yeah. If I did a shitty job, tell me. If I did a good job, uh, let me know. All right. Thanks, guys. Much love. I hope you enjoy uh, the Hail Mary.